Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Mark and Michael's Musings, a matchsticks and gasoline podcast under the SB Nation Podcast Network. Michael, how are we doing this afternoon? Uh, pretty good, Mark. How are you doing? Excellent. The sun's out here. It's warming up a little bit. It's not blowing wind and snow sideways like yesterday, so I'm good. Um, what's uh, going on in your neck of the woods today? Oh, we got that uh, wind and sl- uh, wind blowing snow sideways here. We got hit by like an absolute massive winter storm overnight, and it's in the minus of millions. There's half a foot or more of snow on the ground. It's just lovely out here. Oh, lovely. That's awesome. That's terrible. Hey, we're uh, I, not to rub it in, but uh, I don't know. Do you want to do the conversion math? Uh, temperatures next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, 52, 65, 53. So it's going to mm. be nice here. It's going to be nice, which also means I'll be taking my drill outside and starting to take down things from my outdoor rink, which is slowly melting and turning into a pool in my front yard. So anyway, I digress. Moving on. Flames last night, 2-1 victory over the Seattle Kraken. Um not the 10-goal outburst that was their earlier meeting this season. Um, a pretty kind of sloppy at times, slow. It uh, just didn't seem like there was a lot of connection. The Flames' passes seemed sloppy. They were off the top line, did score two goals, but at the same time, still kind of seemed like they were eh, when they were playing. Uh, your thoughts on last night? Um, yeah, it was kind of a strange game in that I thought Seattle, especially in the first period, kind of took it, like not quite took it to the Flames, but I thought they were right there through most of the first period and kind of evidenced by the 1-1 score. Although, again, we kind of talked through it the evening. It kind of felt like a game that the maybe like 2019-20 or 2021 Flames would have lost just because they were the better team pretty much all night long, but they just couldn't find that go-ahead goal until late in the third period. And past year's teams might have started to push a bit more and given up a goal the other way and lost the game. So I was impressed that they managed to stick out a nice 2-1 win. I know it's not the quite the same formula they've had in their recent games, but at the same time, like the, with the chances they had, it could have just as easily been a 5-1 game, if not for Grubauer's great performance. Yeah, and honestly, I think most of us expected 2-1 to one games coming into the season with Daryl Sutter, right? Mostly a defensive coach, you know. You don't see a lot of his teams out, you know, with six and five goal outbursts, which the Flames have been doing. So it was kind of nice to see them get challenged a little bit last night and play a style game. You're going to have to play when you get into the playoffs. Like there aren't going to be a lot of six to two, five, two victories in the playoffs. You're looking at more two to one contest where you got to have your goalie stand on his, you know, on his head like he did a few times last night. The defense blocking shots, Tanev blocked some shots as usual. Uh, Branson had a couple blocks out there. So the, they did what they had to do last night to win a tight game. Yeah, totally. And I think it, it was nice to see Lindholm get, keep his goal streak going with that. Uh, after he kind of worked to set up that first goal to get that one in the, se- in the third was nice as well. And yeah, I, I don't know what more you can really say about this team right now is that they're winning games in different ways, but they're just, I would say even last night, even though it was one, one most of the night, like it just felt like they were eventually going to figure this out, even though, at times it got a little bit dicey. Like Markstrom made that ridiculous save as he just continues his ridiculous year. But like they're doing pretty much everything right at the moment. And we'll see if it kind of keeps up because, you know, 
the Flames love to have these long win streaks followed by seemingly just as long losing streaks. So we'll see. If, but for now, like everything's kind of rolling, so let's just, we can just enjoy it. Yeah, and what I like too is like there are actually a bunch of streaks. Speaking of, you know, as you bring up streaks, last night the Flames won their ninth in a row. They're pushing towards 10, which is the franchise record. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, but also, Lindholm's got a seven game goal scoring streak. Goudreau had his eight game point streak snapped. It just seems like everything's coming up roses for them right now. I mean, Markstrom, I think he's like, he's started like 14 out of the last 15 and is. He had two hiccups in the whole stretch where there was a 4-3 game against Dallas where he got pulled. And then, um, excuse me, uh, Calgary comes back and ends up getting the win with Ladar in net. And then he had a, he had a game, the Edmonton game, where he gave up three. So, you know, he had, a, he had two tough games in that 14-game stretch that he had starting. And he's been just magnificent. So um, good to see that. Good to see Lindholm. And is Lindholm, like, is there any more unassuming star in the NHL other than Elias Lindholm? Like, you don't even think, because Goudreau's flashy with the puck. Kachuk does Kachuk things. He just does. Yeah, completely. He's... I think he's the perfect guy to balance out the flash of Gaudron Kachuk, and he's never going to really grab the headlines for it, but he's up to, I think, a point per game now this year. Like, that's not shabby whatsoever. And, like, for those saying, there's a lot of people probably outside of Calgary that still think the Flames need a number one center to really be elite. But, like, if you look at it, I think they have one now, and that's something that we might know here, but the rest of the league might take a while to find out. It might take a playoff run for them to find out, but... And he is I I would really say there's no better player on the Calgary Flames right now than Elias Lindholm. Like as good as Gaudreau is, as good as Kachuk is, as good as even guys like Tanev and Markstrom are. Like I just don't think there's a more complete player right now on the Flames. And it's just I I think if the Flames lost him, he might honestly be one of the biggest losses. Like in if he got hurt or something, knock on wood. Like I think he's just drives so much of what this team is and should be about that. Like it, it's all on Lindholm right now. I think I'm su- I'm so impressed with how he's playing. Yeah, and it's not just goal scoring. It's winning faceoffs. It's the penalty kill. It's the power play. He's every, the, he's on the ice constantly for Calgary. So I I, I have no problem with that. Uh, Daryl Sutter was asked about him last night, basically in that frame of you know, hey, you know, why don't people know about Elias Lindholm? And he's like, well, he wasn't on good teams. <laughs> it's just the flattest, most simple answer ever. And he's like, you know, maybe people will get to know him now because. I think he stopped short of saying like the flames are good, but he had this like, you know, maybe people will start to notice him. Um, so yeah, no, Lindholm, he's playing great. Uh, Kachuk's they're all just, they're all just doing the thing. And it's, it's nice to see, you know, everything clicking. Um, 10 wins is the franchise record. The flames have got nine. Um, they have the Winnipeg jets in a uh, Monday afternoon tilt, uh, tomorrow. Um, the 2016-17 Flames, probably the last Flames team you would ever associate with 10 straight victories under Glenn Gullitson. But, Michael, Glenn in his suit and tie game got the Flames 10 wins in a row. I mean, the, the hair was perfect, the suits were perfect, and at one point, the Flames were perfect. 10 in a row. That team, to me, looking at it right now, you we can get into who's on the team and where they were and where they are now, but... If you look at the end, if the if the Flames don't get to 10, if they lose on Monday, that's still the team with the franchise record for wins in a row. Does that seem possible? When Yeah, when you run through their roster and you, like, even with the coach, it just, it's shocking. And when you look back at some of the teams they had to go through, obviously things were a bit different five years ago. But, like, they started that win streak on a four-game road trip through, like, Tampa, Florida, Nashville. Like, those are all good teams. And, like, I'm just looking at their wins right now. like. 
they had four of those 10 come in overtime or shootouts. So like a couple of them were pretty hairy. It wasn't quite the domination we've seen like on this winning streak, but yeah, it's, it, it it's kind of shocking when you think about it, like just that team probably wouldn't have made the playoffs either if it wasn't for that winning streak. So just to look back and like, we'll probably get into it here in a second, but like with that roster and how they kind of did it, it was just, it's stunning that that's the team that got 10 wins out of all the great, or out of some of the great teams we've had in Calgary over the years. Yeah, you look at the roster right now. Goudreau, Monahan, Backlund, Kachuk. Rasmus Anderson, because he got in one game, I think, that season. Yeah, uh, that's it. Those are the only players left from that Flames team. And if you look at some of the other stuff, like we were going over it earlier, Troy Brower, Alex Chason, Matt Stajan, Dennis Weidman, Derek Englund, Lance Boma. Oh, Michael Stone's there, too. I lost him in the middle. Yerky Yokipaka was there. Hathaway, Curtis Lazar, Brett Kulak. Freddie Hamilton played in 26 games that season. Same with Matt Parkowski on the blue line. He was 24. Brian Elliott got 49 starts. Like, it's just like, I mean, Elliott that season, it was 26, 18, and three. Like, it was just Chad Johnson got 36 starts. When, when you're almost splitting starts between Chad Johnson and Brian Elliott, it doesn't make sense that team wins 10 in a row. Yeah, it's, it's just a real drive down a memory lane with some of those names. Like, I guess that was kind of the early height of like the Kachuk backland for leak line. Like, yeah, yeah. There's just just some good good and not so good memories from that team. Like Michael Furland was still doing all right, 25 points that year. Troy Brower was still, but that would have been his, I believe, first year on with the Flames or second year maybe. Yeah. But like just names yeah. like that, Alex Chase on like Matt Stage and still rocking. Like it's just a it's a drive down the memory lane of not so good memories for the. Flames franchise. Well, and if you look at some of the players too, Goudreau had 61 points in 72 games that season. He's already at 63. Kachuk had 48 points in 76 game. He's obliterated that. Backlund and Monaghan were uh, respectively 53 and 58, and they're not even close to those numbers this year. But then you look at two, like plus minus, just like how many players like on that team were in in the negative. I mean, you look at Brower, he had 25 points, but he was a minus 11. Sam Bennett was a minus 16. Same with TJ Brody. Gaudreau was a minus seven. Like they were just not like, it's amazing looking at that team, just how they were semi-successful with just like how not good they were. I mean, Christopher Stieg had a 37 point season that year. Like when does that happen? Yeah, totally. And I'm just, uh, as I'm running up and down, I, I just put up a piece just, this afternoon about how like how the flames uh when they trade their first round pick based on after they did the fully trade this week like i can't believe looking at that roster that they thought oh we're just a travis hamnick away from being a contender after they got <laughs> swept against the ducks like it, it's so painful to look back at all this in hindsight and like maybe in the moment it made a bit of sense but like when they give up a first and two seconds for hamnick for a roster that featured like guys like first having big gears and that's about it like I, I, it's stunning to me yeah and even some of like nicholas crossman like i know like some of their ads like at the dead like hunter shakarik was still on this team like it's just like such a weird weird group of guys and the fact that they were the 10 straight um is is amazing in itself but i they, i guess you know stranger things have happened but i mean you look at calgary right now and you just it's such a different team like points wise where they are in the season so um yeah, good on them, I suppose. And even if you look at the standings, you know, Calgary's now uh, four points ahead of uh, Vegas in second place right now, and Calgary's still got, you know, two games they got to make up to get even with them. So things are, you know, I guess things are good. I mean, it's it's really hard to complain about things. We're, like, digging up subjects. We're, we're making fun of a team from, you know, 
<laughs> four years or five years ago to just have something to talk about. So, yeah, hey, go Calgary. I got, you know, you can't really – there really isn't much to say other than they're just playing really well. So I got I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, same here. I'm just uh... – I'm just enjoying the fun. I thought last night, just to get back to last night's game, like I thought Manjapani and Backlund were just unbelievable last night. Coleman was there too, but I just yeah. think the two of them, like when Coleman was off for his fighting major, which like Coleman was also a man possessed last night. I don't know if he was trying to start a rivalry with the Kraken, which I guess you need, but man, yeah. he was just flying around running guys last night. It was great to see, but I think Manjapani and Backlund are just doing so well on that second line right now. Like when Toffoli subbed in there for a bit, like he, he looked really good there too. Like, just such an impressive night from them, even though they didn't get any points, which is a shame because they were all over the place. So, yeah, just thought I'd throw a quick uh, hat tip to them after that really yeah, strong you performance. Yeah, Coleman looks like a man possessed lately. It's like he's chewing coffee beans or espresso beans before the game, and he's not even like sniffing the smelling salts. He's just jamming them up his nose. Like he gets on the ice, and his eyes are just—he's just there. And I felt bad for Toffoli last night too. He blocks that shot on the breakaway, and he had a clear in his stick snaps in half, and it was like that's like. You know, that would have been good for him. You know, a home crowd, get get a goal on a breakaway potentially. And it's just, we were joking too, like Kachuk would have found a way to do something like chase the puck down and lay on the ice and hit it with his head, nudge it in, do something. But Toffoli was like that close to getting himself a breakaway last night. The place would have gone bananas if he had scored. Oh yeah, totally. That's just, just bad luck for him. But I'm sure he's having a very good time on a Flames team that's won more in the last week than Montreal has in I think the last two months or something. So... <laughs> Sure well, he also, well, he also doesn't have to be the centerpiece of the team either. He doesn't have to be a guy they rely on, which is crazy to think a guy like Defoley's like, you know, he's in the bottom three, he's uh, bottom six, he's so far down with the other guys ahead of him. So it's probably nice for him to be like, I can just come in and play hockey and not have to be somebody who shoulders the the burden of the team. Um, speaking of things that happened during the game that were good to see, uh, the Mark Giordano tribute at the start of the game, I thought the Flames did a really good job with their video tribute for their former captain. Um, he looked extremely uncomfortable, which is just how he is. He's not someone who really craves the spotlight, but I thought the response was good. Um, you know, they cheered the first couple times he touched the puck. And like I said to you last night, I was like, please don't do this all night. Okay. The first couple times he touches the puck, that's cool. But I thought the Flames tribute was good. Um, and, you know, I thought he, he did, he did well. Obviously uncomfortable, doesn't like the spotlight, but all in all, I think a, a good start to the game now. Yeah, totally. I thought it was, uh, it was nice to see him get his ovation, and everything, but, uh, there was still a game to be played. I thought he still played. It was pretty fun to see how much Seattle was trying to set up his, uh, a shot for him in the first 10 minutes or so of the game, just trying to feed him something, get him an early goal because, I mean, I, I, if he had scored, I'm sure he would have gotten some cheers at the at the dome. But it was it was nice to see the Flames shut him down because he did score that one against them earlier in the year. So he's had his uh, moment there. So now we can just. I think they got into hockey pretty quick. Gio's still a pretty feisty character at his age. Always got to respect how hard he's playing for his team as a captain. And yeah, it, it was a nice moment. And then uh, yeah, I thought he had a decent game as well. Yeah, um, all in all, we have something we want to talk about later in the podcast. Reader question um, had a question about Geo, so uh, we can get into that. Um, but uh, Jacob Markstrom, I was switch gears now. Like I started thinking about Markstrom's season and how well he's playing. He's twenty two ten and five. His goals against is uh, two point oh nine, and his save percentage is nine two seven. And the big thing that sticks out are the eight shutouts. Um, you know, he's he's made a thousand and six saves on you know a thousand and eighty five shots currently in thirty eight games played, which it's still a lot of season left. He's still got a lot of workload. So I decided I want to look in and say, where does it compare to, you know, the two benchmarks for Calgary goaltenders? Um, Kari Ramo, 
and uh, Brian Elliott. No, Mika Kiprasov and Mike Vernon, like their two best seasons. Right? So Vernon's best was 88-89. He was 37-6-5 with an 8-9-7 save percentage, which was really good in that season, which is the difference between like where hockey offense is and where it is now and goaltending is bananas. He had a 2.66 goals against. He didn't have a shutout that entire season. Um, gave up 130 goals, made... Um, 1,133 saves and finished second in the Vesna. Solid season. Um, then you go down to Kippers, 0506, not even the cup year. Uh, 42, 20, and 11, a 923 goals against, uh, sorry, 923 save percentage, a 2.07 uh, goals against. He had the 10, say, 10 shutouts that season, 151 goals allowed on almost 2,000 shots, which is insane. Um, but he played 72 games that season. So and he won the Vesna and the Jennings Trophy that season. So I was thinking, like, how close is Markstrom to either of those guys? Uh, I don't see him like touching Kipper that season unless Sutter really runs him into the ground. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I think Kipper was just so good that year that like he's never going to reach kind of that same number of starts that Kipper did. But like, I think his numbers could be right up there. Like he might come close on the shutout front. He might come close on the, uh, on the wins potentially, but. Like overall, it's just, I think he's going to, when you, when, when you kind of, it's all said and done, I think you do have to have Markstrom right kind of near the top of those conversations in terms of best years by a Flames goalie. But uh, what do you think? Yeah, 100%. Because Vernon's best season ever win wise was 39. That was an 87 88. And Kippersoft's best was a 45 win season. So, I mean, the 42 will be tough to catch. I don't think he even touches the 45. But I think if he stays healthy and keeps playing well, he's 15 wins off Vernon's pace in the Stanley Cup season of 88-89 with 37 wins. I don't think that's you know out of the ordinary. I think he'll easily blow away his save percentage and his goals against as well. But it'd be nice, you know, you look down in those seasons and you think, okay, Vernon went to the Cup in 88-89. I think if Kippersoff had played a full season in 03-04, that probably could have ended up his best season. But he only played like... I think 34 games that season because he came in as a late trade from San Jose. So, you know, who knows, you know, if he had started that season, what his, his numbers would have been. But, you know, you look at the, the two years, the Flames or, you know, two of the three years, the Flames goalies had their best seasons. Where did they end up playing hockey in late June? Right. So who knows? You know, me, I'm not to put the cart before the horse. There's still a lot of hockey left, but obviously Jacob Markstrom, the straw that stirs the drink. Oh yeah, totally. Like I think just having that, and that's exactly why they signed him two off seasons ago. Like to have that guy back there, who's just a workhorse, but you also know you're going to get a very good performance pretty much every night out of him. It gives the team just so much confidence to play their game either on offense or like they know they can kind of take some chances because they know they have a guy like him back there. That's going to bail them out if absolutely necessary. And you just see how that confidence kind of permeates through the whole team and through their game plan. So I mean, like, we kind of were a little bit nervous when he was signed originally. Like, is that going to be too much money? Is that going to be too long? And it still very well could be towards the end. But, like, last year was a bit of a tough year for him. This year, though, like, he's been worth every penny of that $6 million he's getting. And I don't really see any other reason why that would change, at least this year. No, and I'm a big fan of if you bring the guy in and he costs a lot of money. I almost um, liken him to John Lester when the Cubs brought him in. Lester was older in his career. He was aging. They gave him a huge, long contract with a ton of money. And all I said was if they win one World Series in the time Lester's there, the contract is worth it. Sure enough, 2016, they do. If the Flames win a Stanley Cup while Markstrom's here and he immediately falls off a cliff afterwards, I could care less. I don't know about you. Like, raise the cup, put the banner up, and if everybody falls apart the next week, I, whatever. The Flames won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, completely. It's 
you can forgive a lot of issues that come up after the fact if you have a ring on your hand. It's it's just if they don't, if things fall off, if it's dis- it's another disappointing end, like sure then you can, can complain a bit, but like yeah, like you said if if there's a ring at the end of the day, like it's completely worth whatever uh whatever long-term hassles you may have. Like I always say as an Eagles fan, like we all made a deal with the devil when they won that Super Bowl and like they they were injured for about four straight years after that, but we got a ring, so we didn't really care too much. So I think it'd be the same thing here with the Flames. Like, like let's say if they win it all this year, that definitely lessens the blow of like if Gaudreau leaves or if uh, if they, leaves or, or yeah Kachuk leaves or if they they're stuck on some longer contracts with guys that aren't doing as well or trade even trading your first round pick if it's thirty second overall, like you don't really care because you got a cup. So yeah, no, completely agree. And you look at Markstrom; he has a chance to to switch back to goalies again. He's got a chance to. Ty Mika Kiprasov's franchise record of 10 shutouts in a season. Um, come upcoming this week, the Flames have got Monday, Thursday, Saturday. The way things have run, you got to figure he's starting all three of those games. It's Winnipeg, who's been kind of a tire fire, dumpster fire at this point. They've been they've been rough. Uh, Vancouver's kind of brought it on lately. They've been playing decent hockey. The Wild are always tough. So you figure, I, I got to think Vladar's not going to see the ice this week, right? Or next week because it's Sunday. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked to see Markstrom go kind of three for three here because it's kind of their last week or so of the year before March comes, which March is, I think it's 16 games in 31 days. Like that's going to get crazy. Obviously Vidar is going to get in a few times, but yeah, I think we see Markstrom all three games. And then after that Saturday game against Minnesota, they don't play again until the following Tuesday also against Minnesota. So like, I don't see any reason why you don't start Markstrom three for three this week. Just uh, he's, he's playing so well. So is the team. I think you just want to keep things rolling before it gets yeah, uh, if- really heavy. Well, when you look at that month of March, too, as you mentioned, they start that Tuesday with the Wild. Then they've got the Canadians, which, I, honestly, I'd start him there to try to get the ninth shot out if he hasn't gotten it by then. Just give him a freebie to play against Montreal. But then it's you've got Colorado. You know, they're a beast in the West. They're an unbelievable team. Edmonton, Washington, Tampa. That's a pretty tough four-in-a-row four run for Calgary. And at some point, you're going to have to put Vladar, put Vladar in because that's a Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Um, I don't even, like... I mean, he played the Capitals and beat them already this year. He, you know, the, uh, the Lightning eviscerated him when they played. It's. I think maybe he gets one of those starts, but that could be a stretch too, where you maybe you just see Markstrom just get ridden into the ground. Yeah, totally. I think at least on paper, it makes sense to start like Vladar, maybe Montreal, Washington. Then after that stretch, they have a game against the Wings. Like maybe those yep. games, but at the same time, that could this could be like kind of when they're right in the throes of trying to get their positioning really settled out. So that, like you said, we could see Markstrom maybe every time except that back-to-back, but, you know, Sutter's been totally willing to play him back-to-back this year too, same with Vladar. So I don't, I don't know. It's tough because you look at their schedule like kind of after that, and they do have one more against Colorado, but after that, it's like weird. the rest of the month, it's like they got Devils, Sabres, yeah. Canucks, Coyotes. Like there's a lot of games where you could play Vladar and give Markstrom some extended rest. So it, it, it is quite possible maybe they just run him into the ground that first half of the month and give Ladar a heavier workload in the second half, too. Yeah, any month where you got to take on Colorado three times and Edmonton twice is tough. But like you said, they have a streak. Once they So they get through the Lightning, then they got the Wings, one more with the Avs, then it's Devils, Sabres, Canucks, Sharks, Coyotes, Oilers, Avalanche, Kings to end the month. It's like 
there's one or two tough games in that stretch, and you could actually give Ladar some some well needed minutes against teams like the Coyotes and the Sharks and Detroit. So who knows? But um, yeah, it's not March is definitely not going to be an easy month for the Flames. Uh, that is for sure. We're going to take a quick break here on Mark and Michael's musings, and we come back. We're going to take some reader questions involving an incident from last night, a trade, and turkey burgers. We'll be back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And welcome back to Mark and Michael's Musings, a Matchsticks and Gasoline podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network. So we uh, covered a lot of Flames talk. There's a lot going on for Calgary in the next month. So uh, buckle up. There's a lot of hockey to watch, and hopefully it keeps playing as well as it's it's played out so far. Um, we do have some reader questions to get to. Um, one of them was uh, came from Facebook, and it was, uh, what's the deal with... Kachuk and Giordano. It clearly, do they really hate each other as much as everybody thought? And at the end of the game, if you don't know what the reference is, Gio took a real cheap shot at Backlund when his head was down at the end for some reason. I don't know what that was all about. And then, of course, Kachuk comes into his rescue, comes flying into the pile. Kachuk ends up down on the ice, and Gio took, what, two or three like, obvious cross-checks to Kachuk? Um, are we finding out that maybe that stuff that was rumored to be in the locker room was actually in the locker room? I mean, I think some of it has to be like it's a heat of the moment. They're they're all fierce competitors, but yeah, it. I I think we kind of saw last night that there were certain guys like that would take a hit against Giordano on the boards, and some guys that wouldn't. Like it, it's um, I I wonder really how much that ends up coming out is true, either kind of sooner here or down the road. Like we know there was issues with Kachuk and the and the leadership group last year, just with how he played and how they told him to tone it down. And essentially, he kind of checked out the rest of the way. But yet this year he's playing at arguably the best level of his career so far. So I really wonder how much of all this has to come back to kind of the leadership group last year and whether or not that's on the captain or on the rest of the team to kind of sort all. Like it, it looked like they didn't like each other towards the end of the game there. So Yeah, it was weird. And I think you know, the big take afterwards too, a lot of it was, well, that means he's definitely not coming back to Calgary at the trade deadline. And let's, you know, let's, let's parlay off that. Like I, I don't have any desire to see Mark Giordano come back to Calgary. Um, salary wise, play wise, the flames defense is fine. I don't think they need to touch that. Yeah. For me, the only way I would consider something like that is maybe like in free agency. If he's like, I want to sign like a one year, $1 million deal just settle back up in Calgary, like going the third pair kind of thing. Like maybe I could be talking to that, but it's kind of a weird dynamic too. Cause I don't know how often we see like a captain get traded or leave a team in the NHL and then come back there. Like I thought it would have been interesting when they, when they brought in Yager, but had tried to bring in a Gidlow three or four years ago, where I wonder what that dynamic would have looked like too, with like Giordano having been captain then. And if he had come back, so 
I don't, I just think it's something like this year you don't screw with it. I think you run with the defense that are rolling, maybe grab one more depth guy if you want to like upgrade on stone. But other than that, like I don't see any reason for him to come back now. And like, I don't really know if there's a fit there long-term either. No, it definitely, the only way I guess you could bring him back would be a bottom pairing. If you ended up letting, you know, good Branson and Zadorov walk because with their seasons, they're probably going to be at the figure they're at or just a little bit more and maybe get some term out of it. So you could save money there and throw, uh, you know, Geo back there at a million. But I, I just, I don't know. I think with everything that happened with Kachuk, he former captain coming back, like how's he going to deal with it in the locker room if Kachuk does end up getting the C? You know, Kachuk's bossing him around and telling him what to do. It just seems like it would be a bad fit. Uh, Mike McLaughlin on Facebook also asked us, he goes, by the way, that other question was from Graham McKay. Thanks, Graham, for checking in. Much appreciated. Um, Mike McLaughlin says, uh, will there be one more significant move, and what do you think it will be? Um, I don't think it's going to be significant because monetarily, I don't think they can be significant. I think it's a an extra piece to fill a hole. Like you had mentioned, probably maybe an extra defenseman, even though they have Stone. Um, maybe they, you know, bring in a, a forward who can play on the bottom six and replace somebody there from time to time. But I financially, I don't see how they make anything major unless they ship a major piece like Monaghan out. But that Monaghan, Monaghan seems like he's got some life now on that line with Dubé and Toffoli. So Toffoli, I don't think you move anybody, right? Yeah. Uh, the only player I'm kind of interested in, and this is only like if things kind of work out is like Callie Yarncrook on Seattle. I thought he was, I've had, I've talked to him for a few weeks now, mm-hmm. but I was really impressed by him last night and like he's a right-handed shot that can play center has primarily played wing on Seattle. Like he's got some flexibility there. Like, I don't know. I think we're starting to see Sutter kind of sour on Dubeg and he was moved down to the fourth line and benched for most of the third last night. And apparently in practice today, he's kind of jumping between the two units. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see like a, then bring in someone like a yarn crook or somebody for that bottom six. And we see Dubé maybe bump down to the fourth line. And financially, I think it's doable if like you move out Richie as part of the trade or something, or like Richardson, you, they, they should be able to bring in somebody cheaper like that. But in terms of big, big move, I think they're, they're done. They made their big move that they, they pushed their chips. And now if you want to get one more piece to kind of just round things out, I think it, there's some sense there. Is it really bad that I totally forgot that Brad Richardson is a member of the Flames? Because I don't think he's played in like a month and a half. He probably hadn't played since pre-COVID break, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think of the last time I remember him playing, but Ruzichka's kicked him out of a job, and I think uh, I think Ruzichka's here to stay. He's out of the, he's reportedly out of the hotel now. He's got a place here. Like I, I think, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, Richardson, he he might get into a game here and there, but uh, yeah, he's been pushed out of the lineup for sure. Yeah, Rajitska said he finally he got a condo. He's all excited. And I wish they would go back to doing like the meet the flames, go to their houses things, because those are some of the best segments ever. Like where they went to like Gaudreau and Monahan's place where they like when they were living together. And it was like, now this is our TV with our Xbox in the living room. And then they'd be like, and they go to Monahan's bedroom. He's like, this is my TV and my Xbox. And they go to Gaudreau's room. It's like, this is my TV and my Xbox. They had like, they opened their fridge and it was like milk and water. I'm like, <laughs> Like it's like they're like it's like young people living by themselves for the first time. We're like mom and dad aren't there to like fold their clothes. Like the clothes are everywhere. I was like it's like I got a t-shirt that I wear a couple of days a week. You know that'd be kind of fun. I wish they would go back and do those. Those were kind of semi interesting. Uh, speaking of food, uh, we did get one last question. Kelly, our lovely friend from Broad Street Hockey, is looking for food recipes and wanted to know what do you put in your turkey burger, Michael? God, I don't That's even my... know the last time I've had a turkey burger. It might be uh, less rev- re- relevant in my house than Brad Richardson. Like it's, I, I I don't even know where to start with a turkey burger. So I'm hoping uh, you can take this one. 
Kelly, uh, what you need to do is turkey is very uh, one of two ways. If you buy the 99% fat free, it's really dry. So you have to add something to it. So don't buy that. If you buy the 93.7, sometimes it's too moist. So always breadcrumbs, always breadcrumbs to kind of bring things together. But uh, diced up green apple with a little bit of salt, pepper, and a smidge of cinnamon and a little brown sugar is unbelievable. You grill them, the apples get nice and crispy on the inside of the burger, and then lettuce, tomato, and cranberry mayonnaise. You can't beat it. it that's how you eat a turkey burger. I think what? Michael. Yep. <laughs> what? Yep. Or or cheddar cheese mixed in with your meat, and then salt, pepper, garlic powder, onion powder, uh, chipotle powder, and um, uh, cayenne pepper. Get all that nice and grill it up, and then avocado, lettuce, tomato, red onion, cilantro, and then cilantro lime yogurt. Do you, are we doing like a chef's kitchen episode <laughs> on here? Our first video one will just be you cooking or something. And yeah. I'll be like, I'll be like. Uh, Oh, who was the Flames goalie last year who had the uh, the cooking? Oh, the uh, Deming or whatever. The, yeah, the Deming, baker, yeah. Yeah, he had the thing where you could subscribe and he texts you his recipes every day. No, so Kelly, that's how you do turkey burgers. And despite what Michael says, green apple in a turkey burger is not the Brad Richardson of the food world, okay? <laughs> so so hopefully that helps. Uh, Michael, got anything else you want to add? Uh, you like whole milk, um, skim milk? <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I'm just... Uh, one last Flames thing, like, I, I really hope they get to 10 or even break this streak, and I think they should be able to. Um, I just saw on Twitter that Thursday the Canucks are wearing their retro skate jerseys, which I don't know how you feel about them as, like, a jersey guy, but them against the Flames white away jerseys I think is just going to be a gorgeous matchup visually, so... The retro skate jersey is one of the best looking jerseys that's ever like been put on the ice outside of what Calgary's wearing now and what is the greatest uniform of all time, the original Hartford Whalers. Um, yeah, I, I love those. And I always felt guilty as a kid as being a huge Flames fan because I always wanted the road. Well, yeah, it would have been the road at that time, the black skate jersey with Kirk McLean. I always wanted one of those because they just looked, they pop. The colors are great. It's a gorgeous logo. Um Great uniforms. Um, kind of wish they'd go back to them. Like, I feel like their uniforms are now just like borderline ripoff, like Whalers, you know, West Coast, because like that's like the color scheme that Hartford had. Yeah, totally. I would be all in if the Canucks went back to that color. Like, they're, they're blue and greens. Like, it, it's nice, but it's not like it's a difference between an iconic look and a fine look right now. And, yeah. I, and like the skate is just an iconic logo, an iconic like color scheme. It, they, they need to go back to it, but I'm excited at least for Thursday for one night. Like we'll see that matchup, and I think it's just going to be amazing to see visually. And honestly, I'd be fine if like a lot of that went back to it. Calgary started it. I'd love to see Edmonton go back to the the royal blue, not the navy blue, or those hideous nuclear orange ones they wear sometimes, which are disgusting, or the all blue, the all navy with the orange highlights, which are terrible. Edmonton, just go back to what worked, you know, in the '80s. Do that. I'd love to see the Kings go back full time purple and yellow. I'd I think that would be amazing. I think that's just such a good look. Um, and then yeah, Vancouver, bring back the skate. You know, let's do that. Let's go old school. Um, always good to close with food and fashion. Like, you know, you can't beat that in a podcast. Um, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Uh, no, I think that's about it. Uh, go Flames, I guess. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, nothing uh, tonight for Calgary. They are back on the ice Monday versus the Winnipeg Jets at home. That is a, what is that, a 2 p.m. start, right, for you guys out there, 4 p.m. Eastern. So, uh Early afternoon in uh, Calgary on a holiday. Same here in the States. So uh, 
put on the game and hopefully watch the Flames uh, get to 10. And it would be kind of nice if they could beat Vancouver to set the record. You know, it's always nice if you could beat your rival to, to set a franchise record and a winning streak. So that'll do. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find us on Google Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Music. Just search up Matchsticks and Gasoline, and you can find all of our past episodes of any of our podcasts, including this one. Um, so download them, like us, follow us, and tune in every time we're up. We thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time on Mark and Michael's Musings.